I confess, one of my most incredible orgasms was on the lap of my then-fiancé as he drove down Highway 55 in Mississippi. I don't know how many times my ass honked the horn before we were done. Before we were done. I had to. Sorry. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based live show featuring smart storytelling and anonymous confessing. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions, as well as sister shows Unspoken and Confess, all explore themes of humor, vulnerability, and emotional justice on varying topics. No matter the topic, the highlight of any Bedpost Productions is the participation of the audience members sharing their own secrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are read aloud during the show. When you go on a trip especially one that involves long distances, often a map is involved. You can take the interstate, main roads. There's pretty easy ways to get places with signs and directions. Often it's now all electronic, very straightforward. But sex and desire, I'm finally now at 40-something years old, coming to the acceptance that sexuality and desire are not really ever like that. I know for me, I have to often stop and back up, turn around, get back on the road, change the tires. (laughs) Sometimes that happens at really strange times. Like the fabulous theater, the Vortex rep, has a fundraiser called Dali's Naked Feast. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's multimedia, multi-artist, decadent. There are aerialists, naked waiters, and people are like party platters covered in food. It's an amazing sight. Uh, but for anyone who knows me well, they would probably know that the first thing that I think uh, when I see a naked person covered in food would be, oh, is that, is that caviar? <laughs> and then the second thing I would think would be, do they have to get some kind of special food permit to do that? <laughs> is there a city of Austin naked party platter food permit? What is the permit situation here? And then the third thing that I would normally think would be, are they okay lying there like that for so long? Because I would be so bored. And that's actually when I know I've gone squarely off the path from erotica into some strange place where my pelvis is refusing to engage without something more going on. Uh, So the last Naked Feast was during the Halloween floods, and it was really damp and cold, and there were people outside on a table. And I I looked at these two disrobed strangers. They were covered in crudité, and they were shivering and looking extremely uncomfortable. And then I got really uncomfortable. And I looked at one in the eye, and I said, would it help if I held your feet? So I did. (laughs) And then someone else sort of noticed and got a a hot cup of water, and then we heated their hands and their feet, and this was this thing that connected us. And I looked over, and one of them just whispered, thanks. And then I was like, wow, they're really hot. (laughs) Because at that moment, I was Mother Warm Hands and Nurse Teacup. And I felt better, and they did feel better as well. And so empathy was this pleasurable sensation. It was way more fun than objectifying folks. And for a moment, then I felt like a failure because that's what the whole thing was supposed to be. It's a person on a platter who's naked for my pleasure. And then I thought, that's not a failure. It's okay. I don't have to be brainwashed to think that connection is less hot than compartmentalizing. 
Now, how did I get here and who's driving this thing, right? Who's driving this thing? Because I was lost. But really, if I admit it, my whole life, my sexuality and designer have been a little hard to map. I've had a lot of confusion and internal self-judgment over my desires for what I felt was non-traditional. All my friends in high school were trying to date the football players. And I was trying to find these like radical androgynous artists that might be carrying around leather things. And I didn't really understand that. <laughs> I wanted to date a lot of people at once because I thought that's what dating was supposed to be. And everybody else was going steady. And I was like, why can't I just want what the other kids want? And it wasn't that I didn't find the traditional attractive in a way I did. I just didn't, I had the instinct it wasn't mine. And then I wasn't it, if that makes any sense. And that particular feeling continues. Okay, for instance, take Channing Tatum. Would anybody like to take Channing Tatum? <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. You know, he's a good-looking, he's a big old American man. He's like a good-looking dude. And, uh, but it's not really, he's not really my speed for the most part. And it wasn't until Magic Mike 2, not the, fir not the first one, because that was actually all about corporate takeover of indie film. But the, um, it was not about stripping. Uh, and the second one actually wasn't about stripping either, but that's a whole other piece. Um, the thing that I found that I loved about him was that he kind of uses his abilities to subvert the typical. His dancing and his character choices are hilarious. Um, it's like he was humping people, but it wasn't in the way that was like, I'm gonna hump you because I have to hump you and I'm gonna grind on you. And the thing, that wasn't the hot part, for me at least, because I was thinking about the choreography and the editing and, and she was upside down and how you do that. But that part was not what was really hot for me. The part that was hot for me was when he's looking like, through the window at Big Dick Richie and he's like, man, you can do it. And the whole scene about Dick, Big Dick Richie trying to get the girl to smile is actually between you know, Magic Mike and Richie. As they love each other so much and it's this beautiful moment of masculinity and it's so joyous and I was like wanting to do it right there. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm turned on by weird things. Uh, the earnest, the surprising, the non-traditionally sexy and that's fine because often the traditionally sexy has never really hit on me that much so it's all worked out. Um, but I still sometimes feel this inner tension and maybe you do too. Like, that you should accept yourself for who you are and your desires, that you're normal enough, or whatever you think is normal isn't normal, or... Do you know what I mean? Does anybody feel that way sometimes? Well, I mean, I, I do. Like, I feel this force of cultural pressures around me to want particular things or to be particular things. And when that usually comes up is at places like Dolly's Naked Feast, where I'm supposed to be turned on by naked party platters. Or those kind of parties. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, because I'm sure some people have been to those kind of parties, sex parties, right? Where adults get together to do adult things. And you would think that as a producer of this show, that would be right up my alley. But something doesn't work for me about them. I was at one, the last one I was at, uh, I was surrounded by these couples, and they were all doing things to each other. And... Uh, and it, that's supposed to be like living the American dream right there. <laughs> um, but it seemed, at least to me, my experience was that everything seemed really robotic. And I was very clear that they were all having a good time and their inner experience was working for them, but mine was not working for me and I was super frustrated, I felt very awkward, I felt very shy, and I couldn't engage. I was mad at myself for feeling like hiding and not feeling hot until I looked over and I, I caught the eye of a woman I knew very casually 
she's had this very wolfish, aggressive kind of quality about her. And she just, well, you don't know what I'm gonna say. She just winked. She just winked. And it was at that moment, I was like, oh! It's like the erotic universe had unleashed its blessings upon me. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Everybody around me in this whole story was like, this is happening, that's happening, this is happening. And, and it's like this. I don't know what's wrong with me. What's right with me? <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm not an exhibitionist unless my clothes are on. Or uh, maybe I'm an empathetic voyeur and maybe that's a new kink. <laughs> or maybe like I tap into some kind of different broad erotic energy. Like here at the show, it's, sometimes it's like after the show I go home and I'm like, oh my God. And it wasn't this, right? It was, I don't know what it was. Uh, and then sometimes, in the deepest, darkest moments of the night, or when I'm writing pieces like this, uh, I worry that I'm just a prude. <laughs> like, like, I need something old-fashioned and romantic and intimate to get going. And I think that's so traditional. <laughs> that seems backwards to me. This map, this show, Bedpost, is like, it sends out little uh, breadcrumbs of trails everywhere for us to follow our bodily bliss towards erotic destinations and... Shouldn't that be the way it is for me as well? Like hopping on the freeway at midnight for a spontaneous road trip, except on I-35 because it's always clogged. <laughs> but you know, between schedules and parenting and aging and having a weird empathy kink apparently, my map often feels like it's filled with strange turns and potholes and going off road into the hinterlands where I get lost. Life is complicated, so why do my desires have to be complicated? The more I do bedposts, though, the more I realize how normal it is not to be normal. Many of us just find our inner GPS directing us in all kinds of weird ways, and it's okay to stop and uh, go back. And Siri would say, rerouting. <laughs> and maybe we should say that more pointedly here at this show. We are at a show about sex, and yes, sex is great. But the direction you need to go in is not always the direction I need to go in, and sometimes it's just the stroke of a finger on a neck or a brush of the hair on the back of your neck or a wink. And that's more erotic than a thousand nights at a sex party, and that's okay. I am not approved, and I have the memories to prove it and some photographs as well <laughs> that I won't show you. Um, I hold on to those memories like a North Star to guide me. Uh, and remind me that my erotic life is pretty good. I have memories like a very giggly kiss with a handsome musician in a pitch black room and a broken down power plant at an arts festival. We were giggling and hiding like we were running away from our parents. Or me, hanging, wrapped in rope, over the most beautiful woman. And she was holding my hands as I swayed, suspended above her, and I was singing ABBA to her. <laughs> Or watching my husband with this wonder and genuine gratitude as he and his lover kissed. I could see how much she cared for him. And I felt compersion, really felt it for the first time. And it was this heart-cracking experience. It was overwhelming. And it was at another event at the Vortex. And there was a woman behind a scrim with little holes and you could peek through them. 
And she caught my eye and I caught hers and she moved to a point where I could see her more fully and she began painting herself with paint that was on the floor, blues and blacks and cinnamons and reds. And she moved like a goddess and there was rivulets of color just flowing all down her body and onto the beautiful canvas below. It was as if she was a roller and a paintbrush and it was as if I was the painter and I was the paint and it was my body and it was her body and it was her creation, it was our creation. And then I just realized I was witnessing something amazing and I was on fire for hours. Our sex life is our whole life and that's a pretty fucking long road trip. And we gotta come here and we gotta leave some better breadcrumbs for each other. Maybe we can make an app, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Someone here probably does, but let's queue up one of Mia's amazing playlists, get some really cool snacks, and just go drive. Thanks. Let's keep it going for Julie. Bedpost Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. Confess with us at bedpostconfessions.com. Until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess I had sex with a coworker that I trained on the same day. <laughs> Gives a whole new meaning to the word subordinate. Yes. I confess, my brother had an affair with our cousin, and we're not even from the South. (laughs) We're from England. (laughs) I confess, I was giving a guy a hand job, and he couldn't get off not knowing he was a virgin, so I stuck my finger in his ass. He immediately came, and now he thinks that this is what all girls do. And it's amazing. Oops, I broke him. Those are your confessions, folks. Thank you. Keep them coming.